Well, hi there, uh, Hillside. It is so great, even in this limited way, to connect with you. I'm so glad you've tuned in this morning to our uh, 10 a.m. live stream. This is so great. I'm uh, grateful for the opportunities that we have to still stay connected in what certainly are some of the strangest days of our lives. Um, looking forward to connecting with some of you uh, through the marriage course, uh, Matt and Emily, for sure. But uh, Angel and I are going to be facilitating that. It's going to be on Zoom, and it's going to be video-driven. Um, the marriage course is, is done by the same people who produce Alpha. It's just been refilmed, actually, in Vancouver uh, just over a year ago, and it's exceptional. The new material is, is great, and uh, as couples, you'll get a chance to... Uh, what Angel and I, I like to think about is it's making an investment in your relationship that will pay great dividends. And so I want to encourage you to consider this. Uh, it doesn't matter if you've uh, been married for a year or 10 years or uh, longer. Um, it, it, if your marriage is already good, it can get better. Uh, if your marriage is, is strained, it can get better. And so it really is for everyone. And so I want to encourage you to consider that. Um, also, just uh, wanted to bring, just got a uh, one of those hard phone calls last night. Um, David and Irene Barker uh, have been part of this fellowship. In fact, uh, years ago, they were Dave was the founding one of the founding pastors of what became Hillside, and uh, Irene was my very first office administrator. Um, uh, Irene has been hospitalized and uh, just received word from her family that this might be her last days. Cancer has come back that she was struggling with over the last few years and uh, going through a very difficult time. Uh, I, man, uh, they reached out to, to us to, to invite us to pray with them. And uh, just, again, for anyone who's suffering in this season, um, hospitalizations or whatever it might be, it's just more difficult. So let's continue to, to uh, pray for and walk with those who we know are struggling in those ways. Um, just had a real burden to, to share that with you. And, and uh, let's be praying for them. Why don't we pause right now and just lift up Dave and Irene, as they, they journey this, these very difficult days. So God, we, uh, we come together as a united church, <laughs> believing that you are gracious and compassionate, and that you, uh, you hear our cries for mercy. And we're, when we're in trouble, the best thing we can do is to pray. And so God, uh, we bring our troubled, broken planet before you today, and we pray for all who are in need and, and we would especially lift up Irene and Dave and their family. Lord, would you um, minister to them your hope and your comfort. And uh, Lord, uh, we, we pray that you might do um, real precious things in these days. We don't know what your will is, but we, we give them to you and pray that you might minister your hope and your peace. And so, Lord, we, we bring those again, uh, friends or family. We bring those who are lonely in our neighborhood or our community we lift them before you too, Lord, we pray, would you meet with them and uh, remind them that you're near, remind them that you are love and that you love them, and uh, help us to be, again, the kind of church that uh, demonstrates the love of Jesus to the world around us. We pray these things together, looking forward for you in this next few minutes to, as we prayed earlier, uh, open our eyes and unplug our ears. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, we've started this new series in the new year called The Be With Plan, where we look at God's plan for us to be with him, 
to, to walk with him and to walk with one another. So week one, we looked at, at choosing the kind of um, practices and, and habits and rhythms that help keep us connected to Jesus. We talked about four potential practices that can help anchor us in God's love for us, like starting the day in, in quiet prayer and scripture, uh, developing a daily gratitude ritual. Some of you have told me that you've started this, and it's been really good. I'm on day 17 now, finding three to five things each day, and, and uh, it turns out God's mercies are new every morning, so I'm finding new material. Um, it's been really, really good. And then practicing Sabbath and, and worship on Sunday, and, and finally, uh, something that some of us are doing together is fasting on Tuesdays through breakfast and lunch, uh, breaking fast at dinner time, uh, praying together for our community, and uh, praying that God would, would continue to meet us in this uh, strained time. Uh, last week, Kevin helped us look at how God walks with us through difficulty. Very appropriate in the season where I, I think most of us feel just kind of vulnerable right now. Vulnerable to be disappointed, uh, heart sick in, in all kinds of ways. I, I, I know I'm, I'm feeling it myself these days. Lots of joy sucking stuff going on, right? And, and yet Kevin encouraged us with the hope of Jesus and the confidence that we can have in him that Jesus is with us in these times. He can grow us in these times and he calls us to stand firm and to persevere. Today we're going to look at how God has made us for community, about how we are transformed by and in community. By the way, just looking ahead next week, Jason Ballard is going to be in the house. He's going to be here, and he's going to be speaking on how we can partner with God in prayer. And so if you've heard Jason, he's uh, exceptional. He's an international star through Youth Alpha, and uh, we're really privileged to have uh, him share with us next Sunday, so don't miss that. Okay, so today, uh, and it, I don't know about you, but in recent years, it, it's popular if you need help in some area of your life, it's kind of common to seek out a pro. You know, so if you're, you're struggling with fitness, you might hire a personal trainer. Uh, if you need career help, you, you hire a job coach. If you need to learn how to cook, you turn to YouTube. Turns out everyone's on YouTube. Question for you, who would you go to for coaching on creating a life-giving, life-changing, life-shaping community? In, in my opinion, hands down, it would be Jesus. You know, when Jesus was thinking about how to extend his movement and his dream beyond his own physical life on earth, he did one thing. He, he didn't start an army. <laughs> he, he didn't form uh, a country. He, he didn't create an institution or a corporation. He didn't uh, build a university. He didn't start a, a foundation. He started a small group. It's, it's just a great story. Mark 3.13 says, Jesus went up into the hills and invited those he wanted with him, and they came to him. And he settled, settled kind of on, on 12 apostles, and he designated them as, as part of his little group. And the plan was that they would be with him, and that, they, that he might send them out. Now, why of all things did he do that? He understood where lives are changed. That's where character gets, gets shaped. So from the very beginning, the Jesus movement was a small group movement 
And the, the main curriculum was the be with plan. They'd, they'd learn together and study together and pray together and argue together a lot and forgive together. And Jesus would be with them. And, and when they tried to serve God, Jesus would be with them. And when they failed, he'd be with them. When they were sick, he'd, he'd be with them. When they were discouraged or confused, he'd be with them to help. He'd be with them to celebrate when they got things right. And, and he'd be with them to sort things out when things went wrong. They'd walk through life together. This was the, the be with plan, be with Jesus. Then he was teaching them how to be with each other. What, you know, what happens in the, the book of Acts is that original little small group with Jesus said, I think we get it. <laughs> okay, it, it was first being with Jesus, doing life with Jesus, and then being sent out and, and taking what Jesus had taught them. And then under the guidance of, of the Holy Spirit, they will start new groups and, and we'll have them be with, they'll join the be with plan, be with Jesus and be with each other. And we'll see how it works. Turns out it worked out okay. The church exploded and grew and changed the world. We're told in the book of Acts in that passage that Emily read at the beginning of the service is that they devoted themselves to fellowship. That word fellowship has, has kind of been cheapened in our day. It gets thrown around a lot in, in Christian circles, but it really is a fabulous word that describes a true life-giving community. Having some people that you do life together with, you laugh and weep and celebrate and you share with them and you serve them and you give to them and you receive from them, they, they devoted themselves to that kind of fellowship. It says, every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes and ate with sincere and glad hearts. Now, I think it's really important to think about this, especially in our day as we wrestle with what it means to be a church in a pandemic. <laughs> Here's the, the thing. In, in the New Testament, the church wasn't centered around meetings that were held in, a, in buildings. The church was, as you might say, distributed. <laughs> you know, the, in the New Testament, the idea was not that you had home groups that you could be part of as an option. Home groups were the church. That was it. They, they didn't have buildings of any kind for 300 years. This was simple church. Their basic plan was the be with plan. And folks, the plan hasn't changed. <laughs> you know, the, the Holy Spirit didn't say at, at some point in church history, okay, now we're going to switch things up and start thinking a, a whole new way about the church. So when you talk about church, you're going to Think of one big building that you go to once a week for a service and where everything else is optional. Maybe, no, maybe nobody will ever get to know you. Maybe nobody will ever get to know your heart. And you'll never discover your spiritual gifts and, and get to serve people and grow together. There was never any shift. It was always the be with plan. Be with Jesus and be with this little community together. Now, I think one of the, the correctives of this pandemic is that it actually forces us to think distributed again. The church out there, to think about how we can be with in a day where we're not allowed to be with. I, I think folks, we have really strong ideas around church gathered. 
I think we need a way more robust thinking about the church scattered and what it looks like to, to be out in the community and in our homes. I think Jesus, his answer is get small. And, and I, I want us to, to consider a question this morning. We're, we'll expand on this in a couple of Sundays, but uh, what makes this be with Jesus kind of community great? Many of you are part of one. If you're a follower of Jesus and, and you're not part of one, I'm just going to tell you quite honestly, this is our dream for you. That's his plan. And so this morning we're going to look at, at a couple of lessons that we learn from Jesus, the pro and master community builder that make for a healthy and life-giving small group and, and a healthy church. Number one, so just two points. This is easy to remember. Number one, in a great church, in a great small group, People are devoted to each other, and they'll pay a significant price to do life together. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, the text says. They got this idea from Jesus. I, I, I love this about Jesus. There's simply no record in the days of the first century and, and that era of rabbis you know, choosing their disciples or recruiting students. They always waited it was beneath their dignity to recruit, and so potential apprentices would come and they'd ask, can I be part of your school? Can I be your apprentice? Not with Jesus. Jesus came along and, and he saw the people and he says, I, I want you, and I want you, and I, I want you. It was just crazy. Uh, no other rabbi did that. Can you imagine what that felt like? Jesus said to them, as he says to us, I want to be your friend. I want to do life together with you. It's actually pretty stunning, the people that Jesus chose to be part of his small group. Why did he choose these 12? Was it because they were really smart or powerful or connected or resourceful or rich? Not so much. Uh, interesting, in recent weeks, uh, friends and, and acquaintances have been recommending to Angel and I this this new TV series, I don't know how new it is actually, but it's, been, it's called The Chosen, and it's crowdfunded, and it's independently financed, uh, so we began watching it this week. But the first couple episodes, it's actually about the life of Jesus, and it gives the backstory, not only of Jesus, but the backstory of some of the disciples, and so it features people like Mary Magdalene and, and Nicodemus. And, and Simon, who became Peter, and Matthew, the tax collector. And um, it's really quite well done, and it gets you into the world uh, of Jesus in the first century. It's, it's, it's excellent. You can uh, watch it. Uh, there's an app for it, or you can watch it on YouTube. I'd recommend it. But again, you realize, and, and this show portrays it really well, that the people Jesus chose to be with him were not likely the kind of people that you and I would choose to do community with. Peter was impulsive. Thomas was a doubter. Judas was greedy. James and John were famously ladder climbers. There was a man named Simon who was a zealot, which meant that he hated tax collectors. And then there was Matthew who was a tax collector, which meant he hated the zealots. And I guarantee that one of their biggest questions for Jesus is, why did you choose that guy, right? Part of what was going on was Jesus was teaching them. His kind of community is not 
the kind of place where you get to be around people who are all beautiful and healthy and normal. It's where you learn from Jesus how to love people who are as junked up and, and, and sinful and messed up as I am and you are. Years ago, Rick Warren kind of coined the phrase EGR. Do you remember what EGR stands for? It was a type of person in a small group. Extra grace required person is what it stood for, right? Uh, I, I like how Rick Warren said, if you're in a group and you look around the room and you don't know who the EGR person is, it's probably you. <laughs> so, and I've actually become convinced uh, the, the older I get that all of us are EGRs. Extra grace is required. But Jesus forms this little group of EGRs and Jesus believes in them. And he prays for them. He serves them. He, he washes their feet. It was like he wanted to be with them. And, and he was glad when they could be together. Nobody had ever loved them like that. And, and after three years of journeying with Jesus, they were reshaped by that love because, folks, that's what love does. And we talk a lot about what Jesus taught about love. Love God, love other people. But in that little group, they learned that it's not just nice talk. It's really true. And after his death, uh, he died for them and his resurrection. And after the Spirit came, they began devoting themselves to each other with, with that kind of love. And it grew and it spread. And, and what developed were these amazingly diverse communities that, that were rich and poor and they're made up of slave and free and male and female and, and Jew and, and Gentile, and they devoted themselves to this. There'd, there'd never been anything like this. This was the be with plan. Now, I know what you're thinking, I, I, I suspect anyway. How can we be with in this day when we can't be with? <laughs> when, when Bonnie Hon Henry has told us, you can't be with, right? We can't meet. Friends, I'm not going to suggest that we break the rules. We're, we're not yet a country where I think we need to form an underground movement with secret meetings. I don't think we're there quite yet. Someday, maybe. I do know that God has given us this magical thing. It wasn't there when I was a child, but we have it now. It's called the internet, right? I mean, can you imagine going through this pandemic without the internet? Uh, last year, at the beginning of last year, I was complaining about the internet. I was complaining how our devices were, uh, in, in many cases, enslaving us. And uh, now we have become a little bit more dependent on our devices, and they've actually been a gift to us this last year. Have they not? I think so. Um, most of us have ways, I think, to make small group community work right now. Some, some of us, some of our small groups at Hillside during this pandemic have flourished. They're, they're meeting more regularly. They're learning how to support one another. They're praying more. People who'd never prayed before are praying online in their little small group. And, and it's been remarkable to see them flourish. It's been really, really good. And then there's those. I know it. I hear it. I don't like Zoom. Or I do Zoom all day. Or or I don't want, like, like video calls, it's just not the same. I, I get that, it, it's not. And it, 
it maybe would be fine to put a pause on this kind of be with community if this pandemic was just kind of one or two months. We often, you know, break for the summer, don't we, sometimes? But one or two months? Yeah. Uh, how about one or two years? This is, uh, you know, this is one of those things. It's kind of an essential service to our faith. We can't put it on the shelf for a couple of years and expect it not to affect us, not to cause us to maybe shrivel a little bit. Here's the thing. The early church and, and vibrant churches ever since have found a way. Have found a way to connect in, in really, really difficult times. In times where, where plagues came. You, you read about the church history and plagues. Uh, I think of, about China uh, in, in the 1940s when missionaries were, were kicked out of the country and, and churches meeting as the church was made illegal. And yet in that time, the church found a way. And they met in, and they formed an underground church that, that flourished and in fact grew beyond anyone's wildest dream to the point where the Chinese church is one of the strongest churches in the world today. Now for us, our, our price is probably not going to be civil disobedience or, or getting arrested. Our, our price might be doing that one more Zoom call a week. That, that deciding, making a decision that this is important enough that I'm going to pay whatever price I have to pay, because I need it. You know, I, I need to do this. I, I was struck by a quote by the English apologist Andy Bannister. He said this a few weeks ago. He said, there's something that should be inconvenient about church. It's not like going to the movies. I, I think that's true. I, I, there's a, a learning of, of giving ourselves and and laying down our lives that happens and in, in, in making an investment. And I want to say, just like I, I talked about the marriage course, it's worth the investment. And so I'd encourage you, make, make the effort to be part of your small group community, your, your hillside community on a regular basis. Make a commitment to be there and, and be ready to not just receive care, but maybe right now, the season you're in, you've got more to give. And so show up ready to care for others and for their journey that they're going for. Choose a digital platform that works for everyone. I mean, if it has to be WhatsApp, whatever it might be, this is a time to draw closer in relationship, not to grow more distant. That's point one. They devoted themselves to each other, no matter the cost. Second piece of insight of Jesus about community is that a great church, a great small group, is a safe place to get real with people. Acts chapter 2 says that they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Uh, the word sincere is kind of interesting. There's an old story about its origin, and I'm not quite sure if the, it was, if the word was actually derived this way, but it kind of gives a picture to its meaning. The word sincere is made up of two Latin words, sin, which means without, and seer, which, which means wax. Turns out the Romans prized ancient Greek statues, and oftentimes these century-old statues would have gotten cracked or chipped. And, and sometimes sellers would do this tricky thing. They'd pour wax into the cracks to cover up the flaws and make the statue look better than it really was. Sometimes we do that when we go on first dates, don't we? We cover up the cracks, right, with some form of wax. <laughs> but if you'd, you'd found that you'd bought one of these covered-up statues, you'd be really disappointed. 
But if the statue was authentic and there were no attempts to hide the flaws, then it'd be labeled sincere, without wax. Here was a new community where, where people got together and they ate together with sincere hearts. No hiding. Where did they get this idea? Good question. They followed a leader, Jesus, who was so unusual. Whatever was going on inside of him, they knew about it. We, we get this from the Gospels. You know, when he was sad, they, they saw him cry. You know, when, when he was tired, they saw him sleep. When he was troubled, they heard him say, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. They heard him say in, in John 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus was the most transparent human being they'd ever, that had ever been around. And he actually talked a lot about how people, especially religious people, often try to look good on the outside, but their inner life is really different with, with really a lot of hiding going on. Jesus said, we, we, don't, we don't do that. We're, we're going to be with each other in reality. There's going to be no posturing or pretending or performing. I, I think they must have just loved being part of this little community like that. And I got to say, I love being part of a community like that, where we really do have, a, have that as our, a value, that we want to be an authentic community, where we don't feel like we need to hide our true selves from one another. Uh, over the last year, um, Pastor Bill and, and Pastor Kevin and myself have been uh, doing a kind of an extensive book study together. We connect once a week to discuss uh, the book Emotionally Healthy Leader by Peter Scazzaro. And it's a really great book, um, and it's a really challenging book. Every chapter, sprinkled through the chapter, usually in two or three places, are these surveys you can fill out that kind of measure your emotional health in all kinds of areas, like your marriage or singleness, um, how you're affected by your family of origin, what kind of shadows do you bring to your work and to your life. And, and uh, you, you fill these out, and sometimes when you look at the answers at the end of it, you're going, oh, man, this is so discouraging. <laughs> like, I have so much room to grow. I mean, uh, and, and when you thought you, maybe you were together in an area, if you're honest answering these surveys, you go, man, I still am, am quite on a journey. But what, what's been really great about meeting with Bill and Kevin in this way is, is we've been actually walking through our answers together and uh, sharing kind of where we feel like God's been doing good things and where we feel like, man, we're just kind of failing. And... Um, for whatever reason, we've just been able to feel like it's a safe place to be ourselves and to not hide. And actually, it's been incredibly freeing. And I think it's actually led for us to grow in some significant ways. It's been really, really good. When, when you taste that kind of community that Jesus wants to form, it's so good. You can't, you can't help but be drawn to, to a sincere kind of person or a sincere kind of community where you don't have to spend all your time on impression management, you know, pretending that you're better than you are. There's no hiding, no more wax, no more makeup, just this, this is who I am with all the good stuff and with all the bad stuff and with all the fallen stuff. 
a, a great group, a, a great church is a safe place to be the real you. To get into a group like that, to actually help grow a group like that, that's where people honor things like confidentiality, where, where you know you can trust people with your secrets, where they won't go and be careless with the words that you've said. Uh, there, there's healing in a group like that. James, uh, Jesus' little brother said, confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. Um, there's healing in groups like that. There's something profoundly healing about being able to be open with one another about our real stuff, about what we're going on, our real selves. A friend of mine posted this this last week, just said this, people start to heal the moment they feel heard. So good. And, and here's another kind of a surprising thing. You'd think a group like this, it sounds kind of serious. In, in fact, what I found, there's also a lot of laughter and a lot of joy. Because the less you're trying to manage your, your, the impression, there's, there's a freedom and there's a, a joy about it. You don't take yourself so seriously. It can be a really real gift when you don't have to be so serious about your own self. And the people who lead these groups, instead of trying to be the one with the answers, will simply be transparent. And when it's appropriate, they'll share their own weaknesses and their struggles. Okay, those are just two of the markers that we learn from Jesus of the kind of be with community that he wants to form in us. The kind where people will be devoted to each other, paying up a price to do life together. And then secondly, Jesus wants to form us into the kind of community where it's safe to be real with each other. We value those things here at Hillside. But what Jesus, what made Jesus' small group the greatest small group in the history of the world was the leader of that group, Jesus. And here's what's amazing. Jesus said in Matthew 18, for wherever two or three people are gathered together in my name, there I am. There am I. That's the, the be with plan. You come together in my name and you devote yourselves to each other and I'm there right in the middle of it all. <laughs> what a gift. Some of you are not in a group like that and, and I get it. I, I, I know how challenging this is. And some of you, your work is over the top. But I, I don't know how to put this, but, but somehow you need to find a way to get into one. It's Jesus' plan. It's, it's how... Jesus changes lives. Some of you have been with Jesus for a long time, and you could lead a little group like that. You, you, you know Jesus, and there are others who you could come alongside and help create a little community like that. I, I hope you'll pray about that and respond. If God nudges, you'll, you'll respond to that. Either way, you can reach out to us, uh, especially Pastor Bill right now, and learn about more steps you can take to get into a group or or to help lead one. But if you've never been in a group, here's, here's an opportunity. Alpha is starting this Wednesday, like Wednesday night. And I, I feel like Alpha is a great like introduction to small group life. And uh, uh, some of my closest friends I met in an Alpha group. And so Alpha's online, you can sign up, we'll make room for you, get on that today. That'd be a great, great thing. Some of you are leading a group and it gets really hard sometimes. Your life gets full sometimes, and you're not sure you know, what to do sometimes. You feel inadequate sometimes, and so I, wanna, I want you to hear the, these words. You are not crazy to do what you do. 
to sacrifice, to make the effort. You're not crazy. This is Jesus' plan to change the world through little groups in which ordinary human beings can be transformed into his character and loved into his community and called into his life. And it's a great, great story he wants to write in us. Amen? Why don't you pray with me, and, uh, and then we'll have the band come up, and they'll lead us in a song. Oh, God, uh, Jesus, reading your story of how you um, walked, breathed, lived, chose a few people to be part of your little group. It's an inspiring story, God, how you chose the, the weirdest, wildest bunch of uh, guys to, to connect together. It gives us a picture of the kind of be with community you want to form. And, and Lord, um, inspired by that example, Lord, we want to say, teach us how to be with you and be with each other in real ways. Help us in this season where it's just really tough. It feels like, you know, there's parts of us that, that want to rebel and actually just want to avoid um, because it's hard. And yet, Lord, um, we look at the early church and their example of how they devoted themselves to this. Give us, give us as people, uh, as followers of you, Jesus, that kind of devotion to community, to fellowship, that it might actually be something that becomes so important that we wouldn't miss it for the world. Father, I pray as we shape those communities, I pray give us the grace to stop our pretending and to be real. Help us, Lord, to choose the kind of practices in those groups, in our groups, where we would be uh, honoring of one another. Uh, Lord, help us to, to trust one another, to, to actually... Uh, let down our guards, Father. I pray that, that we'd never abuse that trust. Lord, again, even that just is going to require growth in us. And I pray, create that kind of safety in, our, in, in Hillside Church to be able to, to, to care for one another in that way. Lord, again, I, I just bring our dream before you that we would be a church that's distributed by you into homes and neighborhoods and workplaces and that you would grow it in ways that are beyond our comprehension. You do amazingly wonderful things by your grace. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.